Hey guys, Lachlan here. Just a really quick message before we get into the show. We're currently running a survey to learn more about our audience. We want to know who you guys are. We want to know what you like. We want to use that information to make Brad is Bad Person a better podcast. It only takes a couple of minutes to fill out and it would be a really big help to us. So please go to bradisabadperson.com slash survey or click the link in the description of this episode and have your say. Now I'll get out of the way. Please enjoy the show. Did you guys hear the Yeti has been doing a lot of sit-ups? Yeah, now they call him the abdominable snowman. Oh, Oh, fucking God. Good Lord. Hello and welcome to your favorite podcast, Brad is a Bad Person. My name is Morgan, I am the host of this podcast, and I, like Ronnie Van Zandt, am a free bird. I am joined as always by Lachlan. Yo. Who, like Machine Gun Kelly, is a wild boy, and by Brad. (laughs) Hello. Who, like Miley Cyrus, can't be tamed. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Today we're getting wild and doing the next instalment. The next instalment of our wildcard series. For those new to the podcast, our wildcard series is when we choose our own topics without any common theme and without telling the others first. It can get very wild up in her. You guys ready to get wild? Uh, Oh, born ready. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's going to be good fun. Mm. So, before we get started, I just want to remind everyone to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify wherever you get your podcasts, and if you leave us a nice review on iTunes, we'll give you a shout-out during the show to say thank you. If you want to get in contact with us and suggest an episode idea or just say hi, please do. We always love interacting with our fans. You can do that on any of our social media or through our website, bradisabadperson.com. If you really, really like us, then you can send us some cash through paypal.me slash bradisabadperson, but otherwise, the best thing you can do to support the show is to tell a friend to listen. Or, you know, play our episodes out loud through your phone speaker on public transport. Yeah. Everyone will appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Lachlan, do you want to get this party started by cracking open a cold one with the boys? It's time to crack open a cold one with the boys. It's very apt that I'm cracking open a cold one with the boys because this week I've got the Kraken, Black Splash oh. Rum and Cola. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Very nice. Okay. So it's, uh, you know, it's 5.5% alcohol, 330 mils. It's a bottle uh, distributed by Proxima Australia. It's made in Australia. Mm. Uh, generally don't like premix spirits because I find them to be too sweet uh, often. But I'm trying to cut back on my sugar at the moment. So, you know, a little bit of sugar is probably going to send me over the fucking edge. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> it's wild card. Let's get wild with some sugar. Didn't realize they did the cracking as a premix. I've always seen it no, in bottles. No, yeah. it's only new, I believe. It's the first time mm. I've seen it. But uh, mm. let's mm. give it a go. Oh. Very different crack oh, to a, a beer, isn't it? It's, it's, a, a, spin. it's a twist off. Mm. Ah. Smells good. It goes from in a nightclub for fifteen dollars a bottle as well. So, yeah, not bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty good. Cool. I like the I like cracking, but I'm I'm not much of a dark rum guy myself. I kind of like the just the regular spice rum, the gold mm. gold stuff. <clears throat> Look at you guys, uh, too fancy. I, as long as it gets me <laughs> fucked up, I'll drink it. <laughs> I gotta drink Captain Morgan. I gotta stay true. But, um, <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> to your pirating so, roots. I'm gonna I'm gonna get wild and start us off tonight. Oh, okay. Uh, and you guys will like this because ever since our first episode, people have been asking me, and I'm sure you guys as well, about flat earthers. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Yes, heard of them. Anything to do with flat earth, it just gets sent to me or us straight away. So while our podcast has grown substantially in popularity since those days i think our first episode got listens mostly from our friends and family who humored us by listening to our first episode and then just stopped yeah (laughs) therefore when an acquaintance or family member asks me about the podcast it's usually some reference to flat earth round men Mm -hmm. our first episode ever and i think worst episode ever Now, not that it's bad per se, but we just didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Oh, we were absolutely. not the well-oiled machine that you listen to today. Definitely with amazing audio quality, then. several witty and interesting segments, and clever and fast-paced conversational flow that would make even the Gilmore Girls blush. But I digress. <laughs> yes, that's true, Morgan. My one... <laughs> so smooth. My wildcard section today is for the hardcore fans who have been with us since day one. For those who join late, but listen to our entire back catalogue, and for the annoying people who still ask us about the Flat Earth movement to this day, we love all of you. When we sign our $100 million exclusive deal with Spotify, we will thank you all the same. Yes. That's right. <laughs> In them Joe Rogan numbers. So, Mad Mike Hughes, may he rest in peace, was a limousine yeah. driver, a daredevil, an amateur rocket engineer, and most importantly, a flat earther who died before he was able to prove his theory. Yeah. Can we get some maths in the chat? Yeah. Now, <laughs> just like season one, there is a conspiracy going on here. That's right. The conspiracy is not that the Earth is flat and that elites are hiding the truth from us, going to such great lengths as to sabotage Mad Mike's rocket launch, for wow. example. <laughs> no. The conspiracy is that Mad Mike was not, in fact, a flat earther. What? Mm, this is my contention as well. In 2002, Ooh. Mad Mike set a Guinness World Record with a 103-foot jump in a Lincoln Town Car stretch limousine. Thrilling? Oh, yeah. But this guy didn't want to be a de- daredevil. He wanted to be the daredevil. He wanted to be evil Knievel. In fact, he wanted to be better than evil Knievel. Oh. Mr. Knievel attempted to shoot himself across the Snake River Canyon in Idaho in a steam-powered rocket in 1974, but failed due to a prematurely deployed parachute. Remember that for later. Mad Mike wanted to do one better. He wanted to jump the Palo Duro Canyon in Texas, which is no bitch-ass canyon like the Snake River Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> this is a deep fucking canyon with no river running through it for a soft water landing. <laughs> Mad Mike Hughes has always wanted to be known as the King of Daredevils. Will he finally get that wish? <laughs> well, Evil Knievel had the best engineers in the business and the cash to fund his stunts, whereas Mad Mike Hughes was just some punk limo driver with only one Guinness World Record to his name, an obscure one at that, and really no one cared about it. He was going to have to build his own rocket. He spent all his spare time and all his spare money preparing. He went to the library to learn as much as he could about steam-powered rockets. But as the internet became more prevalent, he could study from home. It was not easy, but in 2004... He had saved up enough. 2014, sorry, long time, 2014. He had <laughs> saved up enough money and knowledge to fly his first steam-powered rocket in the Arizona desert. Mad Mike flew 419 meters in just over one minute. He deployed his parachute, but still landed hard on the desert ground. It wasn't pretty, but it was the farthest anyone had ever travelled in a steam-powered rocket. Mm. Mike hoped that the fame from this stunt would propel him towards greatness. <laughs> 
That was for your bread. Yeah. Now he could raise funds in earnest and jump the Paolo Duro Canyon. He launched a Kickstarter in December of 2015, hoping to raise $150,000. He called it From Garage to Space. (laughs) The Kickstarter stated, Mad Mike Hughes always wanted to be famous. To prove that point, he set the world record for the longest rocket jump in 2014. Come witness the madness as he attempts (laughs) to shatter that record by doubling the amazing distance. Mad Mike has always been a modest limo driver, although he jumps limos for distance as well. And his entire life savings has gone into building this rocket event. This is really poorly written. Sorry, guys. (laughs) He's the current world record holder for a ramp rocket jump. But he wants to shatter that record on February 12th, 2016, just one day before his 60th birthday. Oh. So that's the Kickstarter, $150,000. I assume it was funded in like a day. <laughs> of course. The idea was to raise funds for a steam-powered rocket jump so he could get more fame, which would lead to more money for another bigger jump, which he would then use to get more money and more fame and keep that cycle going until mm. he could launch himself into space. Mm. So yeah, this... Just going to let it roll, you know, yeah. just uh-huh. snowball. So, his Kickstarter just failed to reach the $150,000 goal, falling oh, no. $149,690 <laughs> short when he raised $310. Oh, no. Poor guy. Oh, no. Nevertheless, he persisted. Mad Mike was able to find a way to fund his canyon jump and scheduled it for Saturday, May 14, 2016. The day before... Palo Duro Zipline Adventure Park promoted the jump on their Facebook page. Zipline! <laughs> Rocket man Mad Mike Hughes will fly across the canyon tomorrow, Saturday, May 14th. Come out with your friends and family and enjoy the day and watch history be made. The scheduled launch time has been changed to 6pm. Gates open at noon. Tickets are $10 per person, under 10 years of age are free, with a parent. Live music with local up-and-coming artist Colton Clarkson. Kelly's cousin. $10 for Mad Mike and Colton Clarkson. That's an amazing alliterative (laughs) affair, as was that phrasing, and a fucking steal at $10. Mm. I'd check it out. I mean, I'd take my kids to watch a man die, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) $10, pretty cheap. Um, Unfortunately, Mad Mike was unable to perform on the day. The jump was (laughs) cancelled. Jump was cancelled because he couldn't get the Persia right on his rocket. Oh, come on! <laughs> Fuck you now. Oh, no. I told you it's for the fans. You're way uh, too proud of that. <laughs> All those who showed up to witness history were reimbursed their $10 ticket fee, which I think was a bit unfair to Colton Clarkson, really. <laughs> it was an embarrassing setback for Matt Mike, yes, but it's not the end of this bad dog's attempts to enter the Hall of Legends. Mad Mike gave up the canyon game and again focused on getting to space. He couldn't jump a canyon, but going to space was more important to him and would still show that stupid evil Knievel who the king of daredevils really was. (laughs) Hughes realised a fatal flaw in his last Kickstarter. There were no crazed loyal fans sending him money. There were no gullible idiots to exploit. (laughs) Maybe if we were to reach out to some desperate wackos, he could get the funding he was after. Mad Mike Hughes called into the Infinite Plane Society web show, made for and by Flat Earthers. (laughs) We're looking for new sponsors for this, and I'm a believer in the Flat Earth, Mad Mike said. I researched it for several months. (laughs) 
<laughs> so the host signed off on his rocket adventures. He said, we need an individual who's not compromised by the government, and you could be that man. Ooh. Maybe Mad Mike could get to space and prove them right. To them, it was worth a shot. So the Infinite Plane Society set up a GoFundMe for Mad Mike Hughes, which reached its target of $8,000. Articles were written about the campaign, making fun of this idiot flat earther who was raising money to shoot himself into space to prove the earth was flat. Quite embarrassing, don't you think? <laughs> well, I don't think Mad Mike saw it that way. Remember the first line from his old Kickstarter? He always wanted to be famous, and he was reaching levels of fame he only dreamed were possible. In 2018... He'd raise enough cash to shoot himself 570 metres in the air. That's 1,875 feet in the Mojave Desert. He reached speeds of 350 miles per hour, about 560 kilometres per hour, before he deployed his parachute. Now, this parachute was not able to slow him down fast enough, so he deployed a second backup parachute, and Mm. together, the two parachutes were just enough to keep him alive. He landed hard, and spectators were concerned for his safety. Mike originally thought that he had broken his back, but as it turns out, he was just very, 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 very hurt, but not severely injured. <laughs> oh, no. All the journalists laughed at him. Ha, 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 they said. This idiot thought going up 570 metres would prove the earth is flat. What an idiot. Well, no, Mad Mike Hughes explained in an interview with Daniel Tosh on his show, Tosh.0, that he wouldn't be able to prove the Earth was flat until he got into space. He was playing the long con on these deep pocket flat earthers. He was no idiot. It was a willful deception by the media, done because it was funny and made good clickbait headlines. And I'm sure Mad Mike didn't mind. He got all the attention he always wanted with fans to fund his crazy future trips. Legitimate flat earth believers and people who just like to fund crazy shit for kicks teamed up to donate their hard-earned money to Mad Mike Hughes, and he continued onwards and upwards trying to touch the sky, or (laughs) the filament, as it may be. (laughs) All this fame put him on the radar of the Science Channel, who got in touch with him, asking him if they could film him for their series, Homemade Astronauts. Brad, do you know if the um, Afronauts were in that? Uh, I mean, they were a bunch of homemade Afronauts, but... I don't know if they were affiliated with Mad Mike using anyway. And whether the Science Channel mm, yeah. funded the trip to... No, I mean, they, they, they were using, you know, barrels and tyre swings to simulate G-forces, so I don't think they were quite that used, advanced. You used what you got, all right? The best tool is the tool at hand. Exactly. Well, Mad Mike Hughes, ever the showman wanted to give them the launch they would never forget. And he did that when he launched himself in his steam-powered rocket in the California desert on the 22nd of February, 2020, his last ever rocket ride. Mm. The rocket's parachute was accidentally deployed during launch and was detached from the craft. 19 seconds later, Hughes was dead. His rocket came crashing back to Earth with nothing to slow it down. The whole event was filmed by multiple people and uncensored videos of the incident are easy to find on the internet. It's not graphic, but it is chilling. The craft is hard to spot against the blue sky, but as it falls back to Earth, the camera captures it in front of a cloud. A black shadow against a white cloud, falling and gaining speed. There is nothing to stop this crash. A thud in the distance and a cloud of dust rises. It's all over. Whoa. F's in the chat. F. Rip. Darren Shuster, Mad Mike's PR guy, stated, after his death, We used Flat Earth as a PR stunt. 
Flat Earth allowed us to get so much publicity that we just kept going. I know he didn't believe in Flat Earth. It was a shtick. Nevertheless, articles were written about how this idiot Flat Earther died while trying to prove the Earth was flat. Mad Mike Hughes knew the Earth wasn't flat, and he didn't even pretend his ill-fated trip was conducted for that purpose. It was merely a stunt to raise his profile and get more fame. In that sense, I guess it worked, but now he will never make it to space. So rest in peace, Mad Mike Hughes, the king of daredevils. I would like to play a song to pay my respects to Mr. Hughes. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. It's fucking terrible. (laughs) Rip in peace. Listen, that's what they want you to think. What actually happened is he hit the glass dome. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it damaged. He was he was dead before he hit the ground. Basically, yeah, he was just falling because he'd <laughs> already been impact. Yeah, exactly. It's a massive conspiracy. They got to his PR guy to try and you know change the optics. That's what happened, man. Yeah, of no, I um, I I buy it, Mogs. That sounds plausible to me. What what I said? Yeah, what you said. Your story about him using the flat earthers and the flat earthers are gullible enough to be used. So it uh, <laughs> it adds up to well, me. I mean. In 2002, he decided that he wanted to do this, like the steam-powered mm. rocket thing. And it wasn't until 2016 that he first mentioned that he believed the flat Earth. Yeah. So, for 14 years, he's trying to get up to space. He's never mentioned it. And then all of a sudden, he mentions it. And then his his popularity explodes mm. and he gets all this funding and he just presumably runs with it. Because if he believed in it, he would have been saying it. The whole flat Earth thing didn't really have that big a following until... Oh, well into the 2010s, I would I would Yeah, say. it turned into like a bit of a meme. Yeah. You know, at some point. Well, I, I remember because we obviously covered him and we had a laugh at him in our first episode. We did. But then I, I do remember reading something, you know, maybe like a year down the track or that put me onto that, that someone was questioning whether he was actually a, a flat earther. Um, and yeah, that's been my contention. I also kind of thought it sounded like he just wanted to commit suicide in a spectacular way. So, I mean, because <laughs> I like even if he made it to space, I remember the the craft that he designed wasn't like sealed properly. He wasn't in any kind of suit that could nah. withstand that kind of like. So if he made it to space, he was dying regardless. So uh, yeah, from what I could tell, his his um crafts that he had didn't have like windows in him or anything. So he's just like strapped in, can't see anything. <laughs> so I don't know, like. But I mean, you got to hand it to the guy. He's trying to go to space in a steam-powered rocket. Yeah, like, yeah that's, that's pretty impressive. Crazy. Oh, yeah, no, that's wrong. some Leonardo da Vinci. Shit. <laughs> I know. It's mad. Like it's it's using steam. You're just heating up water. Like yeah. I mean, that's <sighs> the world's yeah. biggest kettle. I wonder at what stage if he had a, <laughs> if he had have kept going. I wonder at what stage he would have like switched to jet fuel and been like, all right. I wonder <laughs> how long before anyway. Elon Musk got on board, because I feel like <laughs> it's tragic. <laughs> Given the developments and Elon's uh, recent behavior, I don't think he would have been far off getting on board. Shoot a steam-powered <laughs> Tesla into space. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would have been amazing. Yeah. Those two would have been a match made in heaven. Yeah. Um, well, space. I, I did watch his entire interview on... Um, Tosh point R because Tosh did the celebrity profile on him, yes, yeah, um, which was a really funny interview. And when Tosh brought up the fact, he said, "You know, some people think you don't actually believe in the flat Earth; you're just doing it for fun." Like you could see a little smile 
crawl across his face mm. and he was like, no, I'm believing it. Yeah, no, it's you know, really into it and stuff. So you could tell he was, you know, if he was hooked up to a lie detector test, it would have been fucking bouncing off the charts when yeah. Tosh asked that question. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't believe that he believed it, but he, his interview as well, he seemed like a very lucid, sane person. Like yeah. he's definitely eccentric, but you know, Tosh made jokes and he got the jokes immediately and laughed at them like out loud and really seemed to enjoy himself. Yeah, like, he so wasn't not some- someone who would believe in the flat earth is what you're saying. Yeah. He wasn't, he didn't seem like some wacko who was detached from reality and couldn't communicate with other people properly. Like he just seemed like a normal guy that was easy to have a normal conversation with and he i think it's pretty clear to me anyway from watching his you know interviews and videos with him and stuff like that that he's he's like with it yeah he's like a bit of a wacko a bit not, not a wacko so he's very eccentric and just like i mean you'd have to be very to individual into the sky in a steam-powered rocket you'd have to be kind of eccentric oh yeah yeah he's he's like a real different guy like yeah. a real different individual but he's not like a crazy person that's mm. detached from reality like i don't think he actually believed it maybe he's got a bit of the you know the chris Lin was or the um oh. you know where he's had so many <laughs> blunt God. force impacts to the head that it's just knocked him a bit bit weird but not <laughs> yeah not fully pushed him over the edge yet you know oh. like they get with the and- nfl Anyway, with this death video that I watched, like you you watch it on I tried to find it on YouTube and there were videos where when his craft is like halfway back to Earth, like falling down, mm. the video like just pauses and it just stops it on that frame and doesn't go any further. So mm. I was like, Oh, I'll have to look at it somewhere else. And then I just watched it on Live Leak and like I just wasn't prepared for it. Like all like all of a sudden it just hit the ground and I was like, Oh shit. Yeah, he died. That's He's, fucked he up. He did. Like I'm watching a death here. This is intense. Yeah. Like, it's not graphic. You can't see anything, but it's just like you see the parachute come off straight away and you're just like, oh, God, that mm. sucks. The question <laughs> is, do you think, think he knew the parachute came off straight away? Or do you think he... I don't think he... I don't think he did. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot you can do at that point, but... No, nah, that's right. It's At least he got to enjoy the ride up. At least he got to enjoy the ride up. If he realizes <laughs> the parachute comes off, the whole ride's shitty, you know? <laughs> yeah. At least then it's only the, it's only the downward. <laughs> it get to enjoy. Yeah. So, it was a 19-second ride. Yeah. And he got to enjoy the first 10 seconds. Yeah, exactly. Is what you're saying. Yeah. So, if he hadn't known the parachute was off, he wouldn't have enjoyed any of it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. I mean... I just think the parachute wouldn't have weighed that much and he couldn't see out the craft, so mm. presumably he wouldn't have yeah, known that he probably had no idea. He's probably smashing that parachute button. So, I think what we've learned here today is if you're going to fly yourself with steam power into the space, check your parachute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and blindfold yourself, so if it falls off, you don't know. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> having or well, having a jack button something <laughs> with a personal parachute yeah well it becomes mm. harder to seal the craft up then you know plus you're not gonna need mm. a parachute if you go to space so you know what don't even listen to us you're gonna you can do it <laughs> we believe in you slap a brad is a bad person sticker on the side of that rocket if you're gonna try yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I feel bad for the guy. I think he, people make fun of him, but I think he was, you know, definitely worth making fun of in some respects, but he wasn't a crazy, well, he wasn't a delusional idiot. Mm. He was mm. just a, like a eccentric individual sort of dude. And, uh, you know, I, I think what he did was very exciting, you know, didn't yeah. work, but you know, he was he was living his life. He was living his dream, yep. just doing what he wanted. Didn't let anyone stop him. That's right. And 
he figured out a way to get it funded. He figured out a gap in the market. Flat earthers will pay for me to go up to space mm-hmm. and prove that the earth is flat. So I'll just pretend that that's my mission. But, you know, if he was still alive, he would have been doing, you know, <laughs> intra-atmosphere um, <laughs> launches for the next 20 years. Never got to space and just would have been milking these punks dry the whole time, which, um, yeah, would have been I'm easy. his best life. Yeah. I would have actually loved for him to make it to space and then turn around and shit all over all the flat earthers who've paid for him to get there. Imagine if he came back down and he was just like, oh, yeah, it's a globe. Yeah, that's, that's good. I said this right from the start, is this, if he gets up there, when I believed he was a flat earther, if he gets up there and says, like, comes back down and says, it is a globe, all the flat earthers are just going to say, oh, the government got to him, or, oh, he's Compromised, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah they, they would, yeah. it doesn't matter what evidence you give them, they're not going to, they're not going to buy it. Yeah, still would have been funny. <laughs> Speaking of that, I'd like to um, do my Would You Rather. Morgan. 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 Morgan's Would You Rather. All right, so we all know about this um, lizard person conspiracy. Yes. That, you know, all the elites in the world are actually lizards and um, they're a different species and they just put on human skin yep. and stuff like that. That yeah, is yeah. fact. Sorry. Right. Confirmed. Sorry. My... <laughs> my... Would you rather is like a blue pill, red pill thing here. Like <laughs> God himself comes down to you and says, it's actually true. These mm-hmm. people are lizard people. The Queen of England's a lizard. Uh, the president's a lizard. The prime minister's a lizard. All the world leaders, all the elites, all the billionaires are all lizards. Yes. And then he says, do you want me to wipe your memory so you don't know this? Or do you oh. want to be one of the people who knows this? What do you got? What do you want? Oh. I'm taking the blue pill. I do not want to know. It's like uh, too- like that guy in the Matrix says, "Ignorance is bliss." It's it's too much. Like I, what I believe about the global elites already is almost too much for me to handle. If I knew for a fact <laughs> that they are actually reptilians, I don't I don't think I could deal with it. I'd rather not know. Yeah, it's too much to handle. Yeah, um, this is actually probably your toughest. Would you rather? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I wonder because I always want to know the truth about stuff, but then I just uh, imagine yeah, I'm going to be much. on forums and talking to people who think that other people are lizard people. And then the other problem is that I would know specifics about it potentially, mm-hmm. and then I would be arguing with people who did believe in the lizard people, and they'd be like, No, you're crazy, it's actually like this. <laughs> and I'd be like, Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, not it's to like mention everyone's going to think you're fucking crazy. Yeah, that, that, that's and, what yeah, I'm thinking. That's what I meant. The yeah. lizard people are probably going to come after you for revealing their secrets as well. Mm. Yeah, I just think it's a problem that you wouldn't be able to solve because no right. one would be able to. Exactly. No one would believe you. So you just live the rest of your life kind of stressed out all the time. And yep. Yeah. And, yeah. and the moment you brought it up, you would literally, like, you followed to his natural. Con- conclusion and it's like maybe those people who do believe in lizard people have actually just taken the red pill and all of us have taken the blue pill <laughs> and we're just like laughing at him like ah. and they're like no guys guys I took the red pill you know like fucking hell um, yeah it's too real it's too real alright what did you do uh, it, yeah it's not I a mean, problem I can solve <laughs> so- Brad's an anti-Semite so he's already taken the red <laughs> the pill fuck? I think He's like replace lizards with Jews, and you're halfway there. One of the chosen now. That's really all the reptilian conspiracy is about. It's just the the lizard people are actually Jews, (laughs) or controlled by them. That's not my opinion. 
Oh, oh isn't it? <laughs> Alright, Brad, what do you want to do? I'll take the blue pill. I can't fix it. Yeah, You're taking the blue, I can't live with that over my head every day. I'm going to take the blue pill. I would like to be the person that takes the red pill, but I'm not that person. I would nah. definitely <laughs> take the blue pill. Oh, go back yeah. to eating steaks that taste like steaks. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good to me. <laughs> I don't want to live in that barren wasteland where they have to shove a metal spike into my spine. <laughs> I'd rather just be there. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Sorry, Elon Musk. Um, <laughs> all right. Who's going next? I'll, I'll jump, jump in. in. Oh, right. After you, sir. Bitch to it, sucker. All right. I want to tell you guys about the Voynich Manuscript. Ooh. What is the Voynich Manuscript? The Voynich Manuscript is an old-ass, handcrafted, one-of-a-kind book. A manuscript of yours? That's my segment. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> it was found in an Italian Jesuit college in 1912 oh. by Polish rare book dealer Wilfred Voynich. Fucking Jesuits, they love to hide shit, so this will be Currently- good. <laughs> And it currently resides in the Beneke Rare Book and Manuscript Library at Yale University. Ooh. Seems like a reasonable place for it. Now, what's so special about this book, you might ask? Well, first and foremost is that it's written in a language that doesn't seem to exist anywhere. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) It's It's lizard language. (laughs) Oh, shit. It's full of drawings of weird plants that have never existed, some growing human and animal parts, as well as hints of naked women bathing in complicated series of pipes, strange astrological charts, and what look to be mythological creatures. Yep. It's confirmed. Lizard people. Let's get a bit deeper on that whole unknown language thing. The entire book is written in a script that has never been seen before or since. It was proposed at first that it was some kind of cipher encoded by swapping real letters for fake ones or even groups of letters for sounds, but codebreakers from both World Wars and the NSA have been unable to decipher it, and simple ciphers were only just being invented around the same time the Voynich manuscript was created making it unlikely anything hugely sophisticated was used. Mm, There are other ways to encode messages in text like this, though. It's been proposed that the script or the sketches are actually made up of intricate patterns of dots that become a clearer pattern when viewed under a microscope. The manuscript predates the invention of the microscope by 400 years. Maybe the text itself isn't important, but the way it's written is what hides a message. Longer tails, bigger loops, and harsher angles on letters could be the key. This theory has been looked into, but there's no clear pattern, and it's unlikely that a human hand could maintain the consistency needed for this on such an inconsistent surface as the vellum the book is made of. Mm. There's another important part of this mystery, the vellum. Vellum is a type of parchment made from calf skin that was commonly used for books and scrolls in the Middle Ages. It has been proposed that Voynich created the manuscript himself as an elaborate hoax, but the vellum used has been carbon dated to early in the 15th century. It's unlikely that Voynich would have been able to find enough well-preserved, unused 15th century vellum to create a book of over 200 pages. Mm. The pages! There's something else. They're numbered with Arabic numerals. 
That's the oh. normal zero to nine symbols we use for those who don't know. They don't appear anywhere in the contents of the book, only the page numbers. Why would you use different languages for the contents and the page numbers? It's thought that one section of the book contains recipes for herbal remedies. Surely they would need to use numbers, but there's nothing that looks like a number written anywhere. And the writing. Handwriting analysis has shown that the manuscript was written by two different people, and the drawings were likely by a third. Whatever language is used to write the book was shared by at least two people. You might assume it's just gibberish, but linguistic analysis shows that it has all the makings of a natural language, including ah. rhythm, prefixes and suffixes, and placement and repetition of words. If this language was indeed a fabrication, it was invented by a cunning linguist. Oh my god. <laughs> This whole thing was just a setup for one joke about fucking eating <laughs> pussy. That's what it was. This whole oh, thing. Man. I said earlier that the manuscript <laughs> was found by Wilfred Voynich in 1912, and that is indeed how it came into modern knowledge, but it was owned by a number of historically significant people before that. A letter that was inside the cover of the manuscript identifies Emperor Rudolf II of the Holy Roman Empire as a one-time owner, though this letter was written in 1665, around 50 years after Rudolf's death. It's said that he purchased the book for 600 ducats, which is around two kilos of gold. Sorry, I think you mean he... ducats. <laughs> is it ducats <laughs> or ducats? I don't know. No. I actually don't Mad know. Mad ducats. I was going to say ducats, but then I'm like, is that just the colloquial term? Like, or does it actually come from this? I was just old... going with the colloquial term there. Okay. So. Like how we say dangerous. D-U-C-A-T-S. Mad anyway, ducats. It's around two kilos of gold. And he believed its author to be Roger Bacon, a Franciscan monk who's quite important in the world of philosophy. Mm. This claim has been widely discredited. The manuscript bears no resemblance to anything else Bacon ever produced. After Rudolf's death, it is said to have been passed to Jacobus Sinapius, Rudolf's personal physician. Jacobus's name is signed inside the front cover of the manuscript, though it doesn't match any other existing sample of his signature. From there, it came into the hands of Jörg Baresch, an alchemist from Prague. Upon his death, it was passed to his friend Jan Marek Marcy, the head of Charles University. He then sent it to Athanasius Kircher, a German scholar, with the hope he could decode the mysterious book. He couldn't, and there's no other record of the manuscript for 200 years until Voynich finds it in Italy. We have a 200-year gap here and a 200-year gap from its creation to first known owner. What is this fucking book? Who made it and where did it come from? There have been many people since its modern rediscovery that claim to have decoded the tome's secrets, mm -hmm. first in 1921 by William Newbold, who came up with the microscope theory I mentioned earlier. Stupid. And most recently in 2019 from a Turkish electrical engineer who claims the Voynichese script is actually an invented alphabet used to phonetically spell words in Turkic, an ancient form of the modern Turkish language. Every claim so far has been discredited by other scholars. None of them hold up to even light scrutiny. 
Mm. People have been studying this book for centuries, and we're no closer to knowing what it means. Like the incident at Dyatlov Pass, we'll probably never know the truth. <laughs> if I had to guess what it is, I'd say it's the journal of a man stuck in a nightmarish fever dream. But don't take my word for it. If you head to the Benicky Library's website, you can download a PDF copy of the manuscript and see for yourself. Or, if you're not into ebooks and prefer a physical copy, Brad, I know that's you, <laughs> you can buy an exact replica, hand-printed on vellum and identical down to the last crease, called the Voynich Manuscript Facsimile, for the low, low price of 8,000 euros. <laughs> Holy Jesus. shit. I would actually really recommend going and having a look at the PDF because it's just it's just weird. The drawings they're very similar to something you would see in like um you know the drawings that were in the Monty Python in Monty Python's Flying Circus in between the oh, yeah, yeah. in between yeah. the skits. It's like that or like like something out of a Beatles video. Like it's just really surreal. Like, uh, that yeah, that's surreal sort of animations. That's the word. Yeah. 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 That sort of animation style really creeps me out. I don't know. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it's, a, it's just very, it's very unsettling. Sorry, I've already figured it out. Okay, hit me. So, basically, we are looking at the autistic scribblings of a bunch of Jesuit monks, <laughs> and everyone's just putting way too much emphasis in it because it's old. I mean, that's it. It there's there's potential that that's true. Um, another theory is that it's I don't know if you guys have heard of automatic writing, but it's where you sort of Get yourself into this trance-like state and your hand just sort of moves, like writes by itself. Yeah, it's all bullshit. Yeah, Yeah, I don't buy into it, but there's theories that that's how this was produced. It's the equivalent of like writing in tongues. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's another one. Writing in tongues is is another thing people have said. It's It's like in a a couple of thousand years, right, Mm. people are going to look back and they're going to look at us and go, fucking anime. You know, <laughs> what's the deal tentacles. there? Like, yeah, they don't just... look like any of their women. All people are sprouting tentacles. Dicks are persons <laughs> long. You know, it's like this is a completely what utterly... anomaly. Have you been watching? Well, Brad? I may have slipped into some other stuff, but you know what I mean. Okay, like we're we're gonna be that's gonna be our our legacy, and yeah, I feel like this I is mean... just the anti of whatever century it was. <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't there more of it though? That's the other thing. It's so weird because, like books, especially scrolls, even scrolls were the more common form of writing information down back in the 15th century. But mm. to actually produce a book is something that I mean, the amount of people who could fucking read and write was minuscule as it is. You've yeah. got to have something really important to say if you're like writing on calf. Okay. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Like, this isn't like us three just, you know, we log on to something and then we just bang out a podcast and chat to each other. That's like, right. This was, I have something incredibly important to write. I've got very limited space to write it because everything's yeah. so expensive and it's so hard to write it. I've got to do it all by hand. Yeah. So, it's going to be really, really important when I write down. Like, nobody's just fucking, dear diary, today I went for a walk <laughs> exactly. and blah, blah, blah. Like, exactly. It has shit. to mean something. Like, there's got to be some reason that the author, whoever it may be, Write this down. Aliens. Well, that's that's another theory, is that uh, it's uh, the alien in captivity was forced Ooh. to write it down. Well, I was just going to say, it could be like true. the Zodiac Killer, right? He created his own mm. cipher, which no one's been yep. able to crack. Um, yeah. 
it might be so insanely specific that there is no way to crack it without knowing. I mean, that is possible as well, but the whole idea of a cipher had only just come into being. Like, it's it's very difficult. You've got to have a very good knowledge of cryptography to create even a simple yeah. cipher, let alone something so complex that the fucking NSA can't crack it, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Could have just been like- Well, I mean, yeah, like- I went, I, I'm sure you guys probably did the same, but I went through like a big ancient Egypt phase when I was growing up, <laughs> very interested in the pyramids and everything I do like remember that. you oh. worshipping Ra, the sun god, and it was quite <laughs> weird, but I didn't say anything. Gotta stay kosher. Um, so, there's the, the, you know, the hieroglyphics mm. were really, really hard to crack because there's so many weird things about the, the language that they yeah. wrote down. Um you know, it's, but you know, they were eventually were able to crack it, and there was heaps and heaps of uh, hieroglyphics out there. So it was, you know, they they could decipher it. So I'm wondering with this book, if there's just not enough material. Yeah, well, that's like, the thing. Maybe thirty maybe books because there's only one example of it. They they just need more. Um, yeah, so, a, a but that is example. interesting that they figured out that it's like linguistically consistent with other languages. What what century was it created again? Sorry, fifteenth century. Fifteenth century. Okay. Yeah, so it's just dated somewhere if- between fourteen oh five and fourteen twenty eight. I think it was. Hmm. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head if I can remember any kind of um, situation that would have led to like a mass die off. You know, like the Black Plague. <laughs> <laughs> like if it, if it was consi- like if it was localized in one yeah. area. Uh, and then a lot of those people died. This could be like one of those texts that maybe was common in the area, but not. Um, pervasive throughout, you know, Europe or yeah, and just never got never got um, written down anywhere else. I mean, yeah. that's possible. Yeah, I mean, that's it's just off the top of my head. If there was some, well, sort of, the plague maybe was ripping on- through Europe at that time, but the plague yeah. was ripping through Europe for like seven hundred years. So you know, yeah. <laughs> the other, the other thing that it could be would be like there's some specific culture that's like dying off. There's not many people of them left, and they have their own language and their own mm. religion and their own belief system and stuff like that. And people are like. You know, you're losing your language, everything. You've got to write it all down, write down all your culture's beliefs and stuff like that. But surely they would write in whatever language they were actually speaking there, you know, a little foreword at the start, you know, yeah. this is some yeah. crazy guy from some crazy village and yeah. they have their own And why would they draw order? all these weird alien plants and, like, weird star charts? I'm and- saying that's, like, their mythology or something, I don't know. Yeah. Mm, maybe. It's still, it's, yeah, it's definitely there's a people. It's a mystery. That's how long it's they've been troll. around. They've embedded themselves. They've had all this time. <laughs> the whole time you were giving that speech, Lachlan, I was like, oh, this is definitely a troll. I can't yeah. wait to tell him it's a troll. <laughs> and then you were like, the, uh, you know, all the writing is linguistically consistent with other yeah, languages. Right. And, it has, and right. I was like, oh, fuck. Some, some, it's like maybe some elaborate, like, creating your own elven language or <laughs> what's that one in Star Trek? Vulcan that's like a proper language? Like, yeah. yeah well, with J.R. Yeah. Tolkien created a bunch of different languages I think he's been credited with um, that all work. So, like, grammatically they they have, like, sentences and proper construction. Um, Tolkien was a very learned man, Bradley. Yeah, yeah. So How learned can you be in 1415, you know? I don't know. Maybe they're, like, the Edison <laughs> of languages. They're just ahead of their time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, elaborate troll, probably. Probably. Maybe. A- I mean, that is possible. The, the guy that it got sent to to translate, uh, Anath- Athanasius Kircher, um, 
he had previously been sent a big book of fake hieroglyphs as a prank and like asked to translate. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't, it's it's possible that someone was just like piling on with that and you know trying to make it feel like shit. <laughs> just the world's most expensive troll. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it up. But again, again, even if that is the case, he didn't get the book until 300 years after the vellum was made. So, mm. you know, who's hanging on to vellum that long? Yeah, and who's just sending it away if they don't legit like believe the legitimacy of it? Because even if it's a bullshit book, a book that old still has a lot of value attached to it. Absolutely. Purely, yeah, just purely because of how it's made. How old it is. Yeah, yeah and the age of it, so... Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Yep. Fucking weird. It's, it's a weird one. love party. You were very correct. There. It is. We'll never know. Yeah. We'll, no, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Um, I'll have a look at the PDF and get back to it. Just knocking out over the okay. weekend. All right, Brad, what are you going to give us tonight? No context facts with Brad. A cat known as Oscar survived the sinking of three separate battleships in World War II. The Bismarck, <laughs> HMS Cossack, and HMS Ark Royal, earning him the moniker Unsinkable Sam. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, good, <laughs> That's good, a fucking good bad segment luck cat. tonight, Brad. Uh, if you want to do your parents. Cat's on the ship thing. again. <laughs> Imagine you're on a ship and you're like, fuck, that cat's here again. <laughs> well, I don't know what they're feeding the cats in uh, Deutschland, but uh, it's fucking unkillable. <laughs> I think it's Cats hilarious. Cats have nine lives, Brad. He used three of them. <laughs> yeah, he's still got a few. <laughs> well, according to his Wikipedia page, he lived to the for to the ripe old age of fourteen. So you know, solid job, unsinkable Sam. He died in a shipwreck. Uh, no, he died in Ireland. <laughs> it doesn't say how, but I'm assuming after being shipwrecked. <laughs> I'm assuming he drowned in the bathtub or something. <laughs> um, all right, what do you got for us tonight, Brad? Well. Final Destination is a movie franchise that premiered on the 17th of March, 2000. Directed by James Wong and featuring talent like Devin Sawa, Ali Lata, and Sean William Scott, the film was a smash hit that would go on to spawn four sequels, each worse than the last. (laughs) For anyone not familiar with the franchise, it follows a group of people who escape some sort of accident or disaster due to the main character having a premonition of the impending doom. Death then needs to balance his checkbook and in turn visits everyone, inevitably leading to their demise. Uh So, why am I talking about a film franchise that frankly has some of the most disturbing death sequences captured on the silver screen? I believe that this franchise might actually be a documentary, and death is still, to this very day, trying to balance the books. Oh, no. You're um you're one of those people who's really scared about driving behind log trucks because Absolute of Final Destination, aren't you, Brad? That has traumatized me. Oh. <laughs> anyway, Frane Selak is either the single luckiest or unluckiest man on earth, depending on how pessimistic you're feeling today. Selak <laughs> has survived seven serious run-ins with the Reaper. Well, um, yeah. seven penultimate destinations. So this is like your human version of Unsinkable Sam. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> Brad, that's a context fact. Yeah, what are you doing? I actually picked the fact 
before I, I have a list of facts, so that it's unfortunate that that actually lined up. <laughs> I just thought there'd well. never be a context where we'd be talking about. Is no context fact was in context. Oh my god! Incidentally, so anyway, yeah, he survived seven serious runners with a river, and I'm not talking about those run-ins where you go, "Oh shit!" If I'd banged into that, I could have died. I'm talking about. Confess, confess your sins as the plane's going down kind of brushes with death. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, big yeah. ones. Born in Croatia in 1929, Selak grew up in a- First one. What? <laughs> grew up in Croatia. That's plenty there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, he grew up in war-torn Europe as well. So despite the little kerfuffle that was kicking off there, none of his seven <laughs> near-death experiences occurred during the largest conflict man has ever seen. Salak's first time to stare down death and tell him to fuck off would come in January 1962. (laughs) For the first 33 years of his life, Salak had been a normal man who had coasted through a world war, but on this fateful day while riding (laughs) the single safest mode of transportation, a train, from Sarajevo to Dubrovnik, Salak's train would jump the tracks. Oh, no. A train jumping the (laughs) tracks. Yes, the end. <laughs> and so ended the, the cat on the very other average and shit life of front <laughs> like No, uh, train jumping the tracks is a never a good thing, but the gods sought to really get the job done that day because the train jumped the tracks into an icy river. Oh, shit. Wow. Yes. Salak would suffer a broken arm and hypothermia, but he was able to make it to shore and was rescued. Now, I'm not sure if he laughed in death's face right there or then. (laughs) Right there and then, sorry. (laughs) But whatever he did, the Reaper had an absolute hard-on for Frane Salak from that point (laughs) on. (laughs) The following year, Salak would take his first and last flight ever. Another incredibly safe mode of transportation. But the Reaper had books to balance, so he'd make it Salak's last flight. Flying the oh. relatively short domestic route from Zagreb to Rijeka, and I think that's how you pronounce it, I listened to it on Google, the flight <laughs> should have been routine. On approach to landing, Slack's plane had a door malfunction and he was sucked clean through it. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I'm sure the Reaper dusted his bony claws the moment he saw Slack <laughs> get sucked through that door. But he should have, but he should have just put him in a blender or something, because unbelievably, Salak would by sheer dumb luck land in a haystack and not suffer a single oh injury. My God, are you serious? Subsequently, the Jesus. plane would crash and kill the nineteen people on board. Oh what? my God! So he got he got sucked out of the plane, and he's the only person who didn't die. Yeah. This was the first case in history where the people not sucked out of the plane probably wished they would have been. (laughs) That's ridiculous. The Reaper would wait three years before his next attempt. In 19... This is like a cartoon where, like, somebody's in a plane (laughs) and they get sucked out and on their way down they're like, oh, God, oh, God. And then they land in a haystack and see the plane crash and they're like, what? I literally think that's where the cartoons got it from. Sure. Oh, that would be a scene in a cartoon. <laughs> in uh, in 1966, Salak was travelling on a bus, another extremely safe mode of transportation. That this would, guy's got to stop travelling. That would Just inexplicably... Stay, <laughs> stay put, locked down, cr- quarantine. It would, it would inexplicably crash over an embankment into another fucking river. Oh, my God. Salak... <laughs> this guy's... 
<laughs> so, <laughs> he would make it out of the bus with a few cuts and bruises, uh, but four other people would drown. <laughs> so, well, mm. you don't want to be around this guy. If no. you're around this guy, you're going to die. It really is like that cat. You just you see him <laughs> on a ship, yeah, and you see this guy on a mode of transport, and you're like, "We're fucked." Yeah. He's going to survive, <laughs> but we're fucked. Well, the Reaper must have been stomping his foot like an old Looney Tunes character. <laughs> when he saw Salak emerge from the river. <laughs> Nevertheless, his next attempt would be in 1974 years later. By now, Salak was done with public transportation. No fuck shit. planes, fuck trains, and fuck buses. If I can't control it myself, I'm not getting in it. He purchased the car, and as he was <laughs> driving one day, it burst into flames. What? The car was engulfed, but Salak freed himself and ran from the vehicle just before the fuel tank ignited and the car <laughs> literally fucking exploded. How did it just this burst like into flames this... by itself? How does it know. just catch on fire? <laughs> Spontaneously. <laughs> this but, fucking guy. It's fucking insane. But the Reaper was zero for four. So he needed to <laughs> up his game if he wanted to catch out this wily Croat. <laughs> In 1973, <laughs> three years later, you would say, the Reaper, or hadn't learned his lesson because his <laughs> next car suffered a fuel pump malfunction and squirted hot oil all over his engine, which again, subsequently <laughs> burst into flames. He said engine. Whatever. <laughs> That's how I say it. Engine. Sorry, Daniel. <laughs> all right. Engine. Engine. Um, really causing some tension here. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> We need to get like a list of all the words Brad pronounces incorrectly because other people have pointed them out to us and we're yeah. like, oh, what was that one that some guy on Twitter told us about? Like, this oh, is shit. not the purpose of the podcast, guys. So I don't remember. Well, let's I'll, just I'll look it up. gloss over this. I'll be right? the judge of that. Um, <laughs> so his engine Thank you. subsequently burst into flames. This time, however, uh, it shot fire through all the air vents in the car, burning oh, no. his air. But he remained un- relatively unscathed. <laughs> you were about to say unscathed. Yeah, was relatively unscathed. <laughs> yes. Uh, close but no cigar. Salak would just have to be the one that got away. Or would he? For 22 years, Frane Salak led an unexciting life, which was impressive seeing as his first five near-death experiences came in the space of 11 years. Oh, my God. In 1995, mm. the Reaper was back and with a new-ish plan. Plan the long con. If he couldn't get Salak on a bus to kill him, he'd bring the bus to Salak. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> While crossing a street in Zagreb, the 66-year-old Salak was struck by a bus. No. Miraculously, the old man dusted himself off, scoffed, <laughs> and said, Not my first rodeo. And disappeared into the night. Well, Just fucking die, old man. Jesus. Well, that's how I like to imagine. Regardless, he had no serious injuries and the Reaper was left red-faced once again. <laughs> Salak's seventh and final, so far, Dance with Death, <laughs> would come just a year later. While travelling a mountainous road, his car would meet a UN truck on a tight bend. Oh, while no. swerving to avoid a head-on collision... His car was shunted into a guardrail. The car burst through the guardrail and plummeted 90 metres to the ground below. Oh, Jesus. Oh, wow. 
However, you know my boy, Friday Salak, ain't about to go out like a bitch after surviving being (laughs) thrown out of a motherfucking plane. (laughs) This absolute fucking mad lad wasn't wearing his seatbelt because he doesn't fear the Reaper. (laughs) (laughs) He's really been killed six times in the way he's playing seatbelt. So... He was able to leap action hero style out of the moving vehicle and grab a tree hanging above the gorge. Oh, no. I shit you not. That's not true. Okay, Brad, this whole time you've been talking about this, I've been wondering, is this guy just telling stories and people (laughs) believing him? Like, none of this happens. This this, this is legitimate. You can Google him. His name is Frane Salak. F-R-A-N-E space S-E-L-A-K. Frane Salak. All right. Okay. Understandably, the Reaper was utterly defeated. Salak <laughs> was pulling off fucking Bruce Willis moves at the age of 67. <laughs> He's just going to have to wait this motherfucker out the normal way. Frane Salak is now currently 90 years old, soon to be 91 on the 14th of June this year. How? So, so pretty close to when this podcast will actually be released. Um, yeah, a few days uh, after yeah, that. week after. Yeah, so I'd like to wish the human Terminator the happiest of birthdays. That's crazy. Mm. I can't believe that. I also forgot to mention that in 2003, two days after his 73rd birthday, Frane Salak won the lottery. Ah, of course he fucking did. 900,000 euros, to be precise. Whoa, (laughs) that's not a small win. So what did the unkillable man do with his lottery winnings? Scarface amounts of coke and hookers? I wish. (laughs) No, Salak, ever the humble man, brought two houses, a boat, and then promptly gave the rest to his friends and family. Uh, what did he do, bro? He brought... <laughs> I was going to let you say that. I was going to let you say that. I thought you said that. Okay. All right, whatever. Uh, two, yeah, you always so you know what he did, you fucking asshole. Um, <laughs> he buyed two houses. He purchased. <laughs> purchased. I should have gone with purchased. Uh, anyway, I this look guy forward... needs to take out a life insurance policy. I look forward to hearing about him surviving for six years on turtle blood and seagull meat after being marooned while sailing. Godspeed, Frane Salak. Actually, he should take out a death insurance policy where he gets paid every time he doesn't die. Mm. Absolutely. He doesn't need life insurance. That's for people who are going to die. I... When I I read that he got thrown out of the plane, I was like, that is fucking insane. Like, everything else... Was no, that's mental. crazy. But yeah, for, for him to get sucked out of the plane. Everyone else in the plane died. The only thing that stopped him dying was mm. being thrown into the sky from a plane. <laughs> <laughs> that is ridiculous. Yeah. That is like it. That really is like a cartoon thing where like yeah. someone will fall out of something and they'll land in like a pile of marshmallows or on a trampoline or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it's like, I think it was uh, the Red Bull guy who did the. I think it was only recently did the. Um, highest like jump without a parachute and he fell into like a net or net oh, really? and then there was boxes underneath the net or something like that because it's all about arresting the descent slowly yeah um so yeah I, I guess because they were coming into land on our approach he didn't fall from the world's largest height and i'm assuming it must have been a pretty large haystack but he still fell out of a oh, fucking plane. i know what is he fucking the assassin's creed guy no he's it's one of the lizard people clearly <laughs> also, Mr. Mad Dog could have taken a, a lesson or two of him. Just <laughs> maybe throwing a few hay bales down at the 
projected crashes out. <laughs> when you when you said that he survived seven, uh, you know, near death experiences, I was like, okay, there might be one or two good ones in here, but the others are going to be like little bitch ones. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, there was like a car crash in front of him, and he was near it or something like that. But no, like they they were all legit ones, and that last one. Apart from the plane crash, obviously, but that last one was fucking. Yeah, it's probably I the biggest love, one apart from the plane crash. It's on his Wikipedia page, like in parentheses, he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Like everyone is <laughs> fucking astounded that this man who had just nearly died so many times was just like, "Fuck it, I don't fear the Reaper. I'm not wearing this fucking seatbelt. Seatbelts are for pussies." The most survivable <laughs> of all those like attempts on his life was getting hit by a bus. Yeah, like that. <laughs> Getting that's hit a good by day a bus is the best thing that's happened to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. And it's they were all in such quick succession. Like the first five came in eleven years, and then the that's next crazy. two were like less than a year apart. It's fucking yeah. insane! What an absolute beast! Yeah, hats, hats, off. Off, hats yeah. off to him. He can never be killed. <laughs> What's the opposite of F? Because he didn't die. Yeah, he's a. Um, uh, yeah, I don't look. I hope somehow he hears this in Croatia and he has a happy ninety first birthday. I'm sure he's yep. um, punching darts and fucking tarts. So <laughs> <laughs> he's unkillable. He's really just yeah, smoking and drinking all day, mm. driving without a seatbelt. Absolutely, <laughs> just all the all the dangerous stuff. You know, going outside <laughs> while coronavirus is happening. <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. I wonder if he dies from coronavirus. Oh, an animal. Maybe. French kissing everyone he meets. <laughs> Going to old folks' homes and banging all the broads. Um, all right, Brad, do you want to finish us off with your power rankings? I absolutely would love to do that. Brad, power rankings. So, this week's power rankings are the top five anti frontier selects. <laughs> so these oh, are people man. who snatch death from the jaws of life <laughs> in much the opposite way to front okay. A. So like, yeah. uh, uh, I thought it was Good pretty uh, pretty apt. Yeah, um, I like it. Yeah. So starting at five and working our way to number one, obviously number one being the, well, in my opinion, the funniest. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. Uh, so number five is is a dual entry. Yuket Pan and Yuket Payan, um, and they were sisters. So one's spelt P-A-N, Pan, and one's spelt P-A-E-N. So Why do Asians often do that? I'm not sure. Because we went to high school with a pair of Asian twins whose names are very similar like that, and I know some Asian brothers who are optometrists, and their names are like that as well. One's Ken and one's Kian. Hmm. I'm not sure. Uh, hmm. I, yeah. Anyway, if you know, um, if, if send us Asian, an email. Please, yeah, write in and tell us. <laughs> yeah. what's the deal Justify with that? yourself <laughs> at uh, <laughs> bradisbadperson.com. <laughs> so, anyway, Yuket Payen was walking through her farm when she slipped and grabbed an exposed electrical wire. The oh, no. <laughs> live wire then made her a not so live person. <laughs> <laughs> this is a tragic accident. What's not so traffic tragic, however, is her sister dying while giving her deceased sister's friends a demonstration of how the accident occurred. <laughs> <laughs> you kept Pan slipped in much the same way that her sister did and grabbed the same exposed wire. <laughs> Sometimes it's just your time to go. 
Oh no! What, yeah, you can't beat that. No, That's I feel like you're like if you're a twin and your twin dies, you're like I'm half of it. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. You just are you, I gotta go join them. Surely. But okay, they weren't twins. Just to clarify, there was about five years separating them. But yeah, sisters. Yeah, sisters. But still, oh, they were sisters. Still, dumbass thing to do though. Okay, so this is how she died, and then slip while you were ah. Oh, Fucking retarded. But anyway, uh, number four. Did the Kirby enthusiasm music start playing when she grabbed the one? I think you could probably put the Kirby enthusiastic music uh, enthusiasm music to all of these deaths. So <laughs> fix it up in post. Number four. Yi Mingyuan. Brad, lay off the action. <laughs> I, I promise there won't be another Asian on the list. He's Usually, given the Jews a pretty rough run for the last few episodes, <laughs> so he's got to move on to another demographic. Yeah, I got to punch a demographic that's not overly impre- uh, oppressed, so that I don't, you know. <laughs> there we go. Usually, the worst part about a plane crash is the plane crash. Not the case for Yi Mengyuan. After surviving Asiana Air Flight Airlines Flight Two Fourteen, Yi was thrown from the plane and promptly ran over by rescue services responding to the crash. Oh no. <laughs> The San Francisco <laughs> Fire Department really shit the, shit the bed on this one. <laughs> they said that they were in the business of saving lives and it was very upsetting. <laughs> mm. That's an actual quote. So, uh, yeah. Mm. They drove this giant machine that's used for putting out planes straight over the top of it. Oh, uh, God. And she was very much alive before F. it happened. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, she she gets up and she's like, oh, that was a close one. <laughs> Bang! It's like a naked gun movie or something, you know? Uh, number three, Ramon, and I'm going to butcher this, Arta Gavatia. Yeah, you did butcher it. I did. Uh, he's Argentinian. Argentinian, sorry. So if any Argentinians want to correct me on my pronunciation, go fuck yourself. Uh, Ramon was <laughs> once was one of 65 people to survive the sinking of cruise liner America in 1871. The event traumatized him. It prohibited him from traveling anywhere by sea for the next 40 odd years of his life. In uh-huh. 1910, Ramon had built up the courage to take another ship, so he figured he'd kick it off with the biggest and best ship ship ever built. A ship oh, no. so big you might even call it the Titanic. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> That's just bad luck. That's not like him. Yes. So for forty odd years he was like, I can't get on ships. I've 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 seen what'll happen. And then he heard about an unsinkable ship that was so big that it couldn't fail. And he's like, Alright poor bastard. I'll give it oil. Uh number two. Or was he really on the Titanic? Maybe he was uh, actually on the Olympic. <laughs> oh, I'm going to talk about that talk one about day. That another I'm going to get into it one day You keep hitting at it You're full, just giving people blue balls Full episode I want people to ask for it I want to be yeah. thirsty <laughs> Num- <laughs> bang, bang, bang. Number two Michael Anderson Godwin Mr. Godwin was an A-grade scumbag Convicted of killing Mary Royam He was sentenced to death in 1981 In 1983 The death sentence was commuted to life in prison By a shitty legal system <laughs> That lacks the balls to do what's necessary <laughs> Thankfully, you however, Mr. Godwin is also a fucking idiot. <laughs> While seated on his on his metal toilet seat, he bit into a telephone wire attached to his TV, 
uh, sorry, a headphone wire attached to his TV in an attempt to repair it. Doubly, doubly thankfully, he was promptly electrified, uh, uh, electrocuted, sorry, to his death. A la Edward Delacroix in The Green Mile. <laughs> it gave himself the electric chair. Yes. So uh, I don't know if people have seen the prison toilets, but you know, they're that like metal sink and toilet yeah, metal, basin. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he just. We've all been to prison, Brad. We know. Yeah. Yeah. Barbecued himself. And uh, <laughs> we've all made Chankum. Number one, Jerome Moody. Jerome Moody attended a party at the New Orleans Recreation Center for lifeguards to celebrate a summer of no drownings on their watch. Oh, no. <laughs> 200 oh, no. lifesavers were in attendance. <laughs> da, 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 Jerome, Moody, <laughs> Jerome Moody decided he'd buck that summer's trend and promptly drowned in a pool surrounded by lifeguards. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> yeah, it was 200 oh, lifeguards there. They were all having a great do, time. Do that, do. There was people in the pool and he fucking drowned. Uh, and they didn't discover it till the end of the party when they were cleaning up and they're like, hey, what's, oh, that? No. what's that guy doing? In what's the that pool? corpse? <laughs> Fucking hell. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's my top, top five anti Fran Salax. I definitely Good think one, number five was number one, though. Uh, oh. uh, demonstrating how someone died and then dying that exact same way <laughs> is just fucking hilarious. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. They're all pretty good, honestly. I could have thrown them in like a lot of different orders, and there was it's even like, more out there that didn't make it. Could it's have like easily been a top ten or top twenty. Talking to you, I'd be like, "Oh, Morgan died playing Russian roulette. Look, I'll show you." And then fucking shoot myself in the head. Mm. <laughs> what are the odds? One in um, six. Did you guys? Did you guys ever read um, the Darwin Awards when you? Yes. Were, you oh know, yeah. Yes. I love the Darwin Awards. There was there was one that stuck that I always remember that stuck with me, and it was a bit similar to your number five there, Brad, where a guy who was like on a in a high rise building was trying to tell other people in the office how strong the um <laughs> the windows were, <laughs> and to prove it, he like ran full steam into it, and it just it just went through it. <laughs> What is the conversation after that happens? Like, because, you know, he's got a a couple of people watching him. (laughs) But he smashes through that window, falls out. Do you think people are like, or do you think they're just stunned silence? Well, back to work. (laughs) He died doing what he loved, demonstrating window strength. (laughs) All right. That'll do us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate it. We appreciate if you kept listening. We appreciate if you ask your friends to listen because that'll help us out a lot. We want people to hear this. We do this for you. I mean, probably like 45% to hang shit on Brad, but the majority is for you guys. We want you to we want you to have a good time with us while we shoot the shit, talk about some interesting things. Um, and we'll catch you in the next episode.